We are in week three of our series titled The Big Three, and I invite you to grab your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 3. Um, we're gonna be, that's on page 863 um, in your blue Bible if you're reaching and grabbing for that. This is a series where we've been taking a look at faith, hope, and love and uh, the potential they have to make a dramatic impact on how we live our lives. Um, two weeks ago, we looked at faith, and we looked at the different lenses through which we look at faith, how we look through the lens of knowledge, how we look through the lens of action, and the lens of salvation, how having faith means that we act upon what we believe and we have a full confidence in the Lord. And if we're really putting our full confidence in the Lord, then it will affect the way we live our life. And we see how we put our faith into action. And as we put our faith into action, it begins to break down the racial and the ethnic and the economic and all the other barriers that stand between others and ourselves. Last week we looked at hope how the uh, inevitable, unpredictable, and impartial valleys of life, that when we go through them, we still have hope. And, and I want to thank those of you who this past week kind of shared about the valley that you're experiencing, the valley that you're in, or the valley that you've come through, and, and how you found encouragement and hope in the fact that, that God is there, and that those valleys can be useful in your life because they have a purpose and they're also temporary. And the reason we have hope is not because we're simply optimistic or because we have this blind you know, faith or blind hope that it's just all going to get better. But the reason we have hope is because of God. That's why we truly have hope, because of his faithfulness in the past and his promise of a future with him we can have hope in our present life and how even though the current situation and your current circumstances they may not change things may stay the same we still have hope because we still have God and we are not believers simply hoping that things will someday be made right we are believing partnering with God working to reconcile all creation back to himself back through Jesus Christ God's one and only son so today of the big three, we're going to look at love. And I think love is an internal reality that has the potential to change your life forever. Uh, Paul said these words in 1 Corinthians. He said, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, one of the problems that I think we face as we kind of talk about it and deal with this concept of love is that um, often there's confusion over the different conceptions of what love really is. We have a tendency when we feel a strong, positive uh, way about something or someone, we call it love, don't we? And because of this, we love a lot of different things. Think about it. We love our clothes. We love our cars, some of us. We love chocolate cake, right? We love our music. We love our movies. That's the word I was looking for. We love our football team most of the time. If you're an Eagles fan, you really do. If you're a Giants fan, not so much, right? Um, we, we love our spouse. We love our kids. We love our church. Some of the time, we love God, right? It's the same word for everything. The hard part is, and primarily because we are, you know, using English language, that is how we communicate, most of us all the time, and uh, it's the only word we really know how to use, but it really means a lot of different things. For instance, for me, I love chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. Anyone else want to join me in that? Okay, thank you. 
I also love it if you put bananas and a little bit of chocolate syrup on it. It just like sends it over the top, right? Anybody else there with me? An amen from the choir. There you go. See? I love chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. I also love Michelle, who happens to be my wife, conveniently so. But I don't love them the same, right? But it's the same word, right? We can say, I love, or I love, or I love. No, I, I love love, right? We, I love, 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 right? So we just use that word love, and it, I don't know that we completely understand what it means. In the Greek language, they had an advantage over our English language because they, they communicated more clearly what they meant regarding this concept of love by using different words. And now, I realize that, that some of you, maybe even all of you, have heard this before, so this will be a refresher course. If you haven't, then, then here's the Reader's Digest version of the, the three words that are primarily used in the Greek language that are translated as love. The first one, and they're, they're there in your bulletin, you can write these down and, and fill in a few blanks, is eros, which is uh, an erotic word. That's where we get the word erotic. It's, it's, an, it's a passion, right? It's that, it's that fire, hot flame that, that burns type of love. Then there's phileo, and that's like the, the tender affection, a brotherly love. Philadelphia, philos, love. Delphi, you know, brother, city of brotherly love. So that's where they get the name. It's, it's that brotherly love type of love. And then there's agape, which is an unselfish, unconditional love. And I like the way it's defined as it's always ready to serve. It's always ready to serve. It's putting the other person's interest in front of your own. I paraphrase how W.E. Vine describes agape love when he calls it a deep and constant interest of God toward entirely unworthy objects, you and me. It's the type of love that God has for us. And when Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, the word he uses for love is this word agape, this unselfish, unconditional, deep, and constant love that God has for us. What did we just sing? How great the Father's love for us. His agape love in our life. And, it, and it's because God has that type of love for us in our life, it has the, the opportunity to have amazing ramifications in our lives. And it is, is one of those things that can make an incredible impact in our life today, but it's been making an incredible impact in the world since creation. One of the things we did last week as we were talking about hope is we read through Psalm 136, that responsive reading, the great uh, Hillel Psalm, a psalm which told the story of God's faithfulness from generation to generation. And the nation of Israel, as they were told the story and as they said it to one another, they repeated this common refrain, His love endures forever. His love endures forever. And when we see... God showing this enduring love, this, this enduring love from generation to generation, one thing becomes very obvious. This type of love is costly. It's not a, a passion love that burns hot from time to time, nor is it a, a brotherly love that just loves when love is received. It's an unconditional love. It's a constant love. It's a costly love. A love we see John write about in 1 John chapter 3 where he says we should love one another. We should agape. We should unconditional one another. Now, uh, I'm sure that, that we understand this concept, right? You're in church. You're here today. You probably understand this idea, at least, that we are to love each other. We're, we're to love one another and, and, you know, be nice to each other, but I'm not sure we really understand what that means. 
I would venture to say if we asked and took a poll of 10 different people as to what it means to love one another, we'd have about 12 different responses as to what that really means. So when we look at the text, we must realize that John doesn't just stop at love one another and leave it up to us to determine what love means according to our own interpretation. Instead, he tells us what love is. So look with me at 1 John chapter 3. We're going to be in verse 16. John writes these words. He says, this is how we know what love is. Okay, he's given us the definition. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And from this text, I want to point out three different things I believe that that John is telling us that love is. The first one is this. Love is for us. Love is for us. Um, In creation, God created this, this amazing world. He placed Adam and Eve in that world and basically told them, hey, just go enjoy it. All of this is for you. And God walked with them because while all of creation was good, Adam and Eve created in the image of God. They were called very good. God loved his creation. And then sin entered into the world and everything changed. The need for a perfect sacrifice to remove our sin, to restore a right relationship with God, became needed. And so because of God's agape love for us, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have a relationship with God. So that relationship would not be bound by just the law, but in a relationship of grace and of mercy and forgiveness as we strive to walk with him each and every day of our life. And Jesus modeled for us this type of love through his life. As you read through the scriptures, especially if you look at the gospels, you see in many ways that Jesus was the embodiment of the love that God has for us. How he interacted with his mother in John chapter 3. How he answered the genuine questions of Nicodemus who was seeking to know God. How time and time again in story after story after story that God through Christ demonstrated his love for us. One of the things we talked about when we went through the, the book of Colossians was how if we want to know God, we just need to look at Jesus. Because he embodied that for us. His compassion for people by healing them, by providing for them, by teaching them, by meeting their needs. How he engaged people in conversation and always loved them right where they were. His compassion, his encouragement, his patience, his sacrifice, his love for the people. And in all Jesus did, he demonstrated love. His love for you, his love for me, his, his love for mankind. Ultimately, what Jesus did because of love was to go to the cross. He willingly laid down his life for you, for me, for all of us. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. N.T. Wright says, We are who we are as Christians simply and solely because of God's love. Because Jesus, out of love, laid down his life for us. Love is not something extra tacked onto the gospel. Love is the gospel. The greatest of these is what? It's love. See, not only did Jesus demonstrate that his love was for us so that we could have a relationship with God, he also, I think, demonstrates to us that, that love is in us. It needs to be in us. 
One of the most mind-boggling things for me that, that as I say often, I, I, I can't wrap my peanut-sized brain around this concept, is that we have a choice as to whether or not we allow the sacrifice that Jesus made for us to make any difference in our lives. We have a choice. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were going to be the one to go and sacrifice my life, I would want some sort of guarantee that the people I was sacrificing my life for would actually receive it. Wouldn't you? Like, can you sign up ahead of time? Can, can, right? But Jesus doesn't do that. He gave of himself. He allows us, through his grace and, and his mercy and, and his compassion, to allow us to make that choice. He simply invites us to accept that in our life, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to work through our lives, to allow our minds to be renewed and transformed, our desires to be conformed, our interests to be not just for ourselves but for others, to allow His love not to be just something that we know about and we sing about and we read about, but for His love to truly take root in us, for it to be who we are. His love to be in us as we accept Him, as we confess Him as Lord and Savior. We accept what He has done for us, and, and we make His love a reality in us. And as we do so, we are obedient to His Word. We allow the Scriptures to be a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. We take His Word and we read it, and we put it in our lives so that we might not sin against God. We read, we pray, we give, we love, not because we have to and not because it's some religious duty or some type of obligation, but because His love has taken root in us, and it's the only thing we can really know to do. And in a very real way, we become no longer focused on ourselves but on what God is doing in our lives each and every day. Jesus called us to a life of daily walking with him. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. We follow Jesus because his love is in us. Not fear, not guilt, not obligation, not hoping to win or gain the favor of God or man, but because of love. The greatest motivator in our life needs to be love and God's love in us. Which brings me to the third thing that I believe John is telling us that love is, it's through us. It's through us. Honestly, this may be, this may be the hardest aspect when it comes to love. For God's love to be evident through us. There's an old saying that goes, love is not love until you give it away. A sentiment that has been echoed in songs and poems and plays. And it's, it's such a true reality when, in, when you think about it and consider the love of God. Uh, look again at 1 John chapter 3, this time in verse 18. The text says, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Here's the thing. You see, God did not send Jesus to us just so we could personally experience his love and be content with that. He never intended for us to just kind of soak it all up and just become, a, you know, kind of fat and happy with that, right? And just be, oh, I'm glad I'm going, right? It was never like that. In fact, Jesus left instructions for his followers. And in his instructions, he essentially said to people, hey, go tell people how much I love them. That's the job I've called you to do is to go tell people how much I love them. And this is not something the disciples had heard before like, oh, uh, this is new. No, throughout his ministry, Jesus had been telling them about love. 
He'd been, he'd been demonstrating this and modeling it and exemplifying this love throughout his life. And people took notice. He was teaching and encouraging his followers to love, to allow the love of God that he, he gave to them, for them, to take root in them so that they might be a conduit of his love to flow through them. Jesus told them very plainly in John chapter 13, these words, a new command I give you. And when Jesus says something like that, these are Israelites. These are Jewish people. They're used to the commandments of God, right? Here's the rabbi telling them, here's a new command. And what does, what does Jesus tell them? He tells them to what? Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. All men will know that you are my disciples if you quote the right Bible verse at the right time. All men will know you're my disciples if you come to church, you know, every Sunday or three Sundays a month or two Sundays or one Sunday a month every six weeks in the summer. That's how people will know. No. If you what? If you, oh, come on. If you what? If you, if you love one another. If you love one another. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've accepted his love, if you've accepted what God has done for you, if you've allowed his love to change your life, then you, according to the new command Jesus gives, is calling you, he's calling me to allow his love to flow through you. We are to be the ones that embody the same type of self-giving, self-sacrificing love that Jesus gave to us. Jesus modeled for us what this biblical love is really all about when he laid down his life for us, and that is the reason we love. We are called, we are commanded to love. I believe that the pages of the Bible share with us the greatest love story ever told. And I wonder how often, how often we really stop to consider the story of how God demonstrated his love for us through Jesus. Now, I, I get it, right? We really talk about that at Christmas, Right? We talk about Jesus coming to earth as a baby, and we celebrate that. We think about the gift that that God gave us, and so we give to each other, and it's all happy and be merry and stressful because of all the things you got to do. But we're, you know, we're excited because Jesus came, right? And and that's just part of the the season, and it's, it's great. We also talk about the amazing sacrifice that Jesus made, and we think about it more during Easter time, you know, a, a little bit at least. How, how Jesus willingly laid down his life for us as a sacrificial offering to redeem us back to God so that, that we could have a, a way to have a relationship with God. How he, he begins to give us that life and life to the full in this life that continues on for all eternity. We think about it those times of year, but, but I wonder, I wonder if the story of the scriptures, if the story of God's love for us, the love he demonstrated for us, is that a reality in our individual lives, as a community of believers on a daily basis or even on a weekly basis? Or is it just kind of an hour on Sunday basis? How are we allowing God's love to be going through us? Do we believe that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life? For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world but so that the world may be saved through him. Do we believe that? Let's make it personal. Do you believe that? And if so, what difference does it make in your life? 
Do we believe that Jesus came to earth as a baby, lived a sinless life, that, he's taught his, that he taught his disciples, that he, he taught the Israelites and the Gentiles and the Romans about the kingdom of God? Do we believe that he taught about how the kingdom on earth was to focus on the reconciliation of creation back to God? Do we believe this? And if we do, what are we doing about it? What are we doing? How are we living out this ministry of reconciliation? It really ties into what we talked about last week because faith, hope, and love, they're all connected. How do we have true hope? How do we have real hope? We have it because God's love endures. How long? Forever. The cross endures forever. The self-giving love that Jesus poured out for us on the cross. God did not leave us in our sin. He came down and he entered into our mess. He walks with us. And through the Holy Spirit, he continues to walk with us in the mess we make of our lives each and every day. And if we're going to allow his love to be evident in us, then here's a question I think we just kind of have to wrestle with. What messes are you going to enter into this week? Another way of saying that is, is whom are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? You see, if you really want the love of Christ that he demonstrated for us to be in us, I think it's got to flow through us. And I would almost challenge to say if God's love is not flowing through you, then you have to wonder how deeply it's taken root in you. Now this is... Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, okay? This is not some legalistic, works-based message that you've got to prove your love for God. That's not what I'm talking about. We are, we're saved because of Christ's redemptive work on the cross. But that does not allow us just to sit back and soak it in and be content. We're called to love. I, again, was struck by something N.T. Wright wrote when he said this. It is possible to think of love actual kindness, generosity of spirit, going the second mile kind of love for friend and foe alike, as an optional extra, a secondary hobby for when you've got some spare time. Not so. Love is at the very center. Not to love, both when obvious opportunity offers and when it doesn't, is to show that God's love is not, after all, abiding in you. Those are kind of tough words if you really examine your life. God's plan to reconcile creation back to himself includes you and it includes me allowing his love not to just be something that he did for us and not just to be a reality in us, but to be evident through us. It involves us demonstrating his love. And so here's the challenge that we all must kind of wrestle with and face this morning. Who is someone in your life that needs you to put love into action? Who is it that needs God's love to be evident to them and needs to happen through you? Think of someone. You have someone in mind? If you're sitting there and you don't, then can I offer you this? Would you pray and ask God to show you, to reveal to you who that person is? And if you do have someone and when that person comes into mind, here's what you're going to need to pray unless you're you know, much better at this than I am, you're going to need to pray that you have the courage to act when the opportunity presents itself. That you have the wisdom to discern what he wants you to do. And that you will have the willingness to just try and maybe fail miserably. But what better way to fail than trying to give love? Let's fail. 
Let's fail giving God's love away. Let's try. Let's, let's be the conduit, a live conduit that allows God's love to be in us and flow through us. You see, I'm excited about what this body of believers not only is doing, but has the potential to do. As we take his love and we put it into action and we, we begin to give ourselves away, I'm excited that in the coming weeks with a, a new thing that's happening, we're going to have this, this opportunity to give you opportunities and options of how to stretch yourself and to really demonstrate God's love to people. And it's going to be cool to sit back and jump in and watch what God does. To be a part of it and to watch what God does in your life and in my life. And as we watch each other, we'll be encouraged as we see God do some amazing things. Because that's what church is. Church is putting God's love into action. And that needs to be who we are. We're a group of people responding to God's love. Responding to the love that God showed for us. By taking his love. And being an evidence to the world. That God's love is for them. And that it's true. We want to be a place where we take his love and we go And we love them and and we teach them the truth of his word. And we proclaim the rule of this King Jesus and his kingdom. And how his kingdom is to come on earth as it is in heaven. And we do that as we help people discover and experience his life-changing love. Each and every day. In all that we do and all that we say. We want to give you an opportunity to respond and to reflect. We're going to partake of communion here in just a moment. We're going to to continue to worship. And and what I pray is that you will allow God to continue to speak to you, to work on your heart, to work on your mind, and to allow him to be the one who is the object of your love so that you can share that love with others.